Welcome to the Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. Happy New Year! As you can tell from the opening background sounds, I want to talk to you this month about considering a career in osteology. That's right, the study of bones. Beyond the obvious, did you know a career in osteology features research opportunities in ancient warfare, criminal investigations, war crimes, human migration, identification of unknown remains, and demonology? Oh, oh wait, that last one is demography. Uh, that doesn't sound nearly as fun as demonology. <sighs> Never mind. Without that demonology feature, I don't think osteologists have near as much fun as I thought about five seconds ago. Well, this month's story is a classic from two non-osteologists, Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, collectively known as the Brothers Grimm. The Grimm brothers were German authors who collected, recorded, and wrote folklore during the early 19th century. The Grimm fairy tales have endured through the generations. What is often left out of Jacob and Wilhelm's biographies is their academic pursuits as linguists and cultural researchers. The brothers also received rigorous instruction as Reformed Christians at an early age, which instilled in both a lifelong Christian understanding and devotion to Christ that led the brothers to believe in the power of these folklore stories to both unite culture as well as transform it. This month's story, The Juniper Tree, is tale number 47 from their collected works and often overlooked in the current culture. Because of this, the Untold Podcast proudly presents The Juniper Tree by the Brothers Grimm. It is now long ago, quite 2,000 years, since there was a rich man who had a beautiful and pious wife, and they loved each other dearly. They had, however, no children, though they wished for them very much, and the woman prayed for them day and night, but still they had none. Now there was a courtyard in front of their house in which was a juniper tree, and one day in winter the woman was standing beneath it, paring herself an apple, and while she was paring herself the apple, she cut her finger, and the blood fell on the snow. Ah, said the woman, and sighed right heavily, and looked at the blood before her, and was most unhappy. If I had but a child as red as blood and as white as snow. And while she thus spake, she became quite happy in her mind and felt just as if that were going to happen. Then she went into the house and a month went by and the snow was gone and two months and then everything was green and three months and then all the flowers came out of the earth and four months, and then all the trees in the wood grew thicker, and the green branches were all closely entwined, and the birds sang until the wood resounded, and the blossoms fell from the trees. 
Then the fifth month passed away, and she stood under the juniper tree, which smelt so sweetly that her heart leapt, and she fell on her knees and was beside herself with joy. And when the sixth month was over, the fruit was large and fine, and then she was quite still. And the seventh month she snatched at the juniper berries and ate them greedily. Then she grew sick and sorrowful. Then the eighth month passed, and she called her husband to her, and wept, and said, If I die, then bury me beneath the juniper tree. Then she was quite comforted and happy until the next month was over. And then she had a child, as white as snow and red as blood. And when she beheld it, she was so delighted that she died. Then her husband buried her beneath the juniper tree, and he began to weep sore. After some time, he was more at ease, and though he still wept, he could bear it. And after some time longer, took another wife. By the second wife, he had a daughter. But the first wife's child was a little son, and he was as red as blood and as white as snow. When the woman looked at her daughter, she loved her very much. But then she looked at the little boy, and it seemed to cut her to the heart. For the thought came into her mind that he would always stand in her way, and she was forever thinking how she could get all the fortune for her daughter. And the evil one filled her mind with this, till she was quite wroth with the little boy, and slapped him here and cuffed him there, until the unhappy child was in continual terror. For when he came out of school, he had no peace in any place. One day, the woman had gone upstairs to her room, and her little daughter went up too and said, Mother, give me an apple. Yes, my child, said the woman and gave her a fine apple out of the chest. But the chest had a great heavy lid with a great sharp iron lock. Mother, said the little daughter, is brother not to have one too? This made the woman angry, but she said, yes, when he comes out of school. And when she saw from the window that he was coming, it was just as if the devil entered into her. And she snatched at the apple and took it away again from her daughter and said, Thou shalt not have one before thy brother. Then she threw the apple into the chest and shut it. <laughs> then the little boy came in at the door, and the devil made her say to him kindly, My son, wilt thou have an apple? And she looked wickedly at him. Mother, said the little boy, how dreadful you look. Uh, yes, give me an apple. Then it seemed to her as if she were forced to say to him, Come with me. And she opened the lid of the chest and said, Take out an apple for thyself. And while the little boy was stooping inside, the devil prompted her 
and crash! He shut the lid down, and his head flew off and fell among the red apples. Then she was overwhelmed with terror and thought, If I could but make them think that it was not done by me! So she went upstairs to her room to her chest of drawers and took a white handkerchief out of the top drawer, and she set the head on the neck again and folded the handkerchief so that nothing could be seen. And she set him on a chair in front of the door and put the apple in his hand. After this, Marlichen came into the kitchen to her mother, who was standing by the fire with a pan of hot water before her, which she was constantly stirring around. Mother, said Marlichen, brother is sitting at the door, but he looks quite white, and he has an apple in his hand. I asked him to give me the apple, but he did not answer me, and I was quite frightened. Go back to him, said her mother, and if he will not answer thee, Give him a box on the ear. So Marlichen went to him and said, Brother, give me the apple. But he was silent, and she gave him a box on the ear, on which his head fell down. Marlichen was terrified and began crying and screaming and ran to her mother and, and said, Mother, I have knocked my brother's head off. And she wept and wept and could not be comforted. Marlichen, said the mother, what hast thou done? But be quiet and let no one know it. It cannot be helped now. We will make him into black puddings. Then the mother took the little boy and chopped him in pieces, put him into the pan, and made him into black puddings. But Marlichen stood by weeping and weeping, and all her tears fell into the pan, and there was no need of any salt. Then the father came home and sat down to dinner and said, Where is my son? And the mother served up a great dish of black puddings, and Marlachin wept and could not leave off. Then the father again said, But where is my son? Ah, said the mother, he has gone across the country to his mother's great uncle. He will stay there a while. And what is he going to be doing there? He did not even say goodbye to me. Oh, he wanted to go, and asked me if he might stay six weeks. He is well taken care of there. Ah, said the man. I feel so unhappy, lest all should not be right. He ought to have said goodbye to me. With that, he began to eat, and said, Marlachin, why art thou crying? Your brother will certainly come back. Then he said, Ah, wife, how delicious this food is. Give me some more. And the more he ate, the more he wanted to have. And he said, Give me some more. You shall have none of it. It seems to me as if it were all mine. And he ate and ate and threw all the bones under the table until he had finished the whole. 
But Marlachin went away to her chest of drawers and took her best silk handkerchief out of the bottom drawer and got all the bones from beneath the table and tied them up in her silk handkerchief and carried them outside the door, weeping tears of blood. Then the juniper tree began to stir itself, and the branches parted asunder and moved together again, just as if someone was rejoicing and clapping his hands. At the same time, a mist seemed to arise from the tree, and in the center of this mist it burned like a fire, and a beautiful bird flew out of the fire, singing magnificently, and he flew high up in the air. And when he was gone, the juniper tree was just as it had been before, and the handkerchief with the bones was no longer there. Marlinchen, however, was as gay and happy as if her brother were still alive, and she went merrily into the house and sat down to dinner and ate. The bird flew away and landed on a goldsmith's house and began to sing. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlachin, gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Kawit, kawit, what a beautiful bird am I. The goldsmith was sitting in his workshop making a gold chain when he heard the bird which was sitting singing on his roof. And very beautiful the song seemed to him. He stood up, but as he crossed the threshold, he lost one of his slippers. But he went away right up the middle of the street with one shoe on and one sock. He had on his apron, and in one hand he had the gold chain, and in the other the pincers. And the sun was shining brightly on the street. Then he went right on and stood still and said to the bird, Bird, said he, then how beautifully thou can sing. Sing me that piece again. No, said the bird. I'll not sing it twice for nothing. Give me the golden chain, and then I will sing it again for thee. There, said the goldsmith, there is the golden chain for thee. Now sing me that song again. Then the bird came and took the golden chain in his right claw and went and sat in front of the goldsmith and sang. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlachin, gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Kawit, kawit, what a beautiful bird am I. Then the bird flew away to a shoemaker and landed on his roof and sang. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlachin, gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Kawit, kawit, what a beautiful bird am I. The shoemaker heard that and ran out of doors in his shirt sleeves and looked up at his roof and was forced to hold his hand before his eyes lest the sun should blind him. Bird, he said, how beautifully thou can sing. 
Then he called in at his door. Wife, just come outside. There is a bird. Look at that bird. He can, he can just sing well. Then he called his daughter and children and apprentices, boys and girls, and they all came up the street and looked at the bird and saw how beautiful he was and what fine red and green feathers he had and how like real gold his neck was and how the eyes in his head shone like stars. Bird, said the shoemaker, now sing me that song again. Nay, said the bird, I do not sing twice for nothing. Thou must give me something. Wife, said the man, go to the garret. Upon the top shelf there stands a pair of red shoes. Bring them down. Then the wife went and brought the shoes. There, bird, said the man, now sing me that piece again. Then the bird came and took the shoes in his left claw and flew back on the roof and sang. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlachin, gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Kawit, kawit, what a beautiful bird am I. And when he had sung the whole, he flew away. In his right claw, he had the chain and the shoes in his left, and he flew far away to a mill, and the mill went clip-clap, 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 and in the mill sat twenty miller's men hewing a stone and cutting hick-hack, 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 and the mill went clip-clap, 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 clip-clap. Then the bird went and sat on a lime tree, which stood in front of the mill, and sang. My mother, she killed me. And then one of them stopped working. My father, he ate me. Then two more stopped working and listened to that. My sister, little Marlachin. Then four more stopped. Gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief. Now eight only were hewing, laid them beneath, now only five, the juniper tree, and now only one. Cooit, cooit, what a beautiful bird am I. Then the last stopped also, and heard the last words. Bird, he said, how beautifully thou singest. Let me too hear that. Sing that once more for me. Nay, said the bird, I will not sing twice for nothing. Give me the millstone, and then I will sing it again. Yes, said he, if it belonged to me only, thou shouldst have it. Yes, said the others, if he sings again, he shall have it. Then the bird came down. And the twenty millers all set to work with a beam and raised the stone up. And the bird stuck his neck through the hole and put the stone on as if it were a collar and flew on to the tree again and sang. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlachin, gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Kawit, kawit. What a beautiful bird am I.
And when he had done singing, he spread his wings, and in his right claw he had the chain, and in his left the shoes, and round his neck the millstone. And he flew far away to his father's house. In the room sat the father, the mother, and Marlinchen at dinner. And the father said, How light-hearted I feel! How happy I am! Nay, said the mother, I feel so uneasy, just as if a heavy storm were coming. Marlachin, however, sat weeping and weeping. And then came the bird, flying. And as it seated itself on the roof, the father said, Ah, I feel so truly happy, and the sun is shining so beautifully outside. I feel just as if I were about to see some old friend again. Nay, said the woman, I feel so anxious, my teeth chatter, and I seem to have fire in my veins. And she tore her dress open. But Marlachin sat in a corner crying, and held her plate before her eyes, and cried till it was quite wet. Then the bird sat on the juniper tree, and sang. My mother, she killed me. Then the mother stopped her ears and shut her eyes and would not see or hear. But there was a roaring in her ears like the most violent storm, and her eyes burnt and flashed like lightning. My father, he ate me. Ah, mother, said the man, that is a beautiful bird. He sings so splendidly, and the sun shines so warm, and there is a smell just like cinnamon. My sister, little Marlinchen. Then Marlinchen laid her head on her knees and wept without ceasing. But the man said, I am going out. I must see the bird quite close. Oh, don't go, said the woman. I feel as if the whole house were shaking and on fire. But the man went out and looked at the bird. Gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Coo-it, coo-it, what a beautiful bird am I. On this the bird let the golden chain fall, and it fell exactly round the man's neck, and so exactly round it that it fitted beautifully. Then he went in and said, just look what a fine bird that is, and what a handsome gold chain he has given me, and how pretty he is. But the woman was terrified, and fell down on the floor in the room, and her cap fell off her head. Then sang the bird once more, My mother, she killed me. Would that I were a thousand feet beneath the earth so as not to hear that. My father, he ate me. Then the woman fell down as if dead. My sister, little Marlachin. Ah, said Marlachin, I too will go out and see if the bird will give me anything. And she went out. Gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief. Then he threw down the shoes to her. Laid them beneath the juniper tree. Coo-it, coo-it. What a beautiful bird am I. Then she was light-hearted and joyous, and she put on the new red shoes and danced and leapt into the house. Ah, she said, 
I was so sad when I went out, and now I am so light-hearted. That is a splendid bird. He has given me a pair of red shoes. Well, said the woman, and sprang to her feet, and her hair stood up like flames of fire. I feel as if the world were coming to an end. I too will go out and see if my heart feels lighter. And as she went out at the door, crash! The bird threw down the millstone on her head, and she was entirely crushed by it. The father and Marlachin heard what had happened and went outside and smoke, flames, and fire were rising from the place. And when that was over, there stood the little brother, and he took his father and Marlachin by the hand, and all three were right glad, and they went into the house to dinner and ate. That was our story. I hope you liked it. So now you know, if you ever find yourself eating the best meal of your life, be sure to look around and see who's missing. Also, be sure to become an osteologist. That way, you can avoid eating humans. Or, at the very least, realize you've eaten a person after the fact when you've thrown the bones under the table. I like this story, uh, but it's also a horrifying one. The stepmother in the story allows her jealousy to turn into a hatred and rage that not only kills her stepson, but forces false guilt on her own daughter and cannibalism on her husband in order to try and cover up her sin. In the end, this isn't a story about reincarnation, beautiful trees, birds, or even osteology. This is a story about justice and restoration, and it fit well into Jacob and Wilhelm's worldview. One day, when Jesus returns, everything will be made right. We don't know how exactly, but the evildoers will face justice, and those in right relationship with God will experience a restoration. This month's story was just a glimpse of that coming reality, of that coming future. Before we sign off for the month, I have received a number of inquiries on how you can support the Untold Podcast. And the truth is, you can't. Well, not directly. But we've added a support button on the site where you can find information to donate to my church, purchase additional tech stuff for the show, and of course, a barely dignified plea for stories, music, and art submissions. Well, that's it for this month. Until next time, I'm Nathan James Norman, leaving you with my favorite line from the story. My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlachim, gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Kawit, kawit, what a beautiful bird am I.